Welcome to The Humble Hustle, the only podcast for inspiration and motivation with real-world examples of failures that redefine success for men and women who understand that hustling happens every single day. Welcome to The Humble Hustle. I'm Jackie. I'm Nicole. And I'm Vivian. And today we are here with Pam Vivio, co-founder of Beyond Juice Detroit. Hey, Pam. Hi. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. So tell us a little bit about, for those that don't know, what is Beyond Juice Detroit? So Beyond Juice is a concept that we started in 2005, and we sell a lot of healthy options. We have uh, wraps and sandwiches and smoothies and juices, and we do a little bit of soups. Uh, We do some juice cleanses Mm -hmm. as well. And we're hoping to give people an healthy, a healthier option to fast food. Gotcha. And so you have a background in food and food supply chain logistics and, and restaurants. So you got started in the family business, which was Vivio's, right? So tell us yes. a little bit about how Vivio's kind of birthed Beyond Juice. <laughs> okay. So Vivio's has been around for over 50 years. My parents started that restaurant. And... My husband and I were both working there at the time, and we started to see a trend that people were, you know, really looking for healthier options, wanting more salads, and then starting to throw away their French fries and their breads. And so we thought, you know, we need to take a look at this, and we need to possibly make a change. So we started doing some research, and we started to see that, you know, smoothies were kind of the the big thing at the time. And it was 2015, and we said, you know what? Let's make a go. We'll still have Vivio's and then we'll try something new and maybe it'll be a hit and maybe it won't. And then we opened our first location in Birmingham on Maple in 2015. Mm, Awesome. And so how did that go that first year? Because you already had all this restaurant experience, but you didn't start that restaurant. So what did it feel like starting Beyond Juice? Were you like, we opened the doors and it was packed? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) birth and a baby. What did that feel like? As a matter of fact, it was quite the opposite. And the first day we opened the door, we had a guy walk in. He purchased a smoothie. You know, at the time it was, I think, $4.25. And he walked out the door. And my husband and I looked at each other and said, I think we just made the biggest mistake of our life. <laughs> because in, in the restaurant industry or the bar industry, you know, people come in and they don't have one item. They have multiple items and they stay for a while and then maybe they eat some food and then maybe they have some drinks. Mm. So we thought, you know what, this is this is not going to work out. And we happen to be in the highest rent district you can ever possibly imagine yeah. <laughs> in Birmingham, right on Maple. And then, you know, we gave it some time and, and we said, you know, I think what we need to do is we need to have our staff Monday through Saturday. Um, that will pay the bills. At least we can pay the bills. And then on Sunday, uh, my husband and I would work. And at the time, it was slow enough that we needed maybe just one other employee. And that would be our gravy. So, we, you know, Monday through Saturday was bill paying time. And then anything left over on Sunday was our money to take and reinvest into the business, basically. So mm-hmm. it was not a hit right out of the gate. And then I think it just took a while because I I, I think that we were five years ahead of our time, Mm -hmm. even in the Birmingham area. But then I feel that what really made the change, the turnaround, was in 2008 when the market started to really tank. And it sounds like 
people would stop going out to eat, but the Birmingham area and folks in the surrounding areas still felt the need to um, really treat themselves. So, you know, maybe they couldn't pay their bills, but they still (laughs) wanted to be able to, you know, have that treat. So things started to turn around then. And I think that's when people started to discover that, you know what, we need to eat healthier. And even though it's going to cost us a little bit more money in the long run, it's going to be worthwhile for our bodies. Mm -hmm. So... And so how long was that time frame between that, that first location and like <clears throat> location two? Uh, it was actually quite a while. So we initially said, you know what, let's just be happy with one location. We'll work it. And then what happened was people started coming to us and saying, hey, I want to invest in this company or how can I open a Beyond Juice? And we said, you know what? I don't really know how you can invest in this company, you know. <laughs> it seems to be working for us, and, you know, we seem to have a proven track record. At the time, our sales started to increase. You know, we introduced different menu items, like an egg white burrito, an egg white sandwich, and and then we finally um, started to think about getting into juice even further, and that's when the juice started to um, go crazy with all of the different juice crazes and detoxes and everything. So we started to work with an attorney and we met with the attorney and the attorney said, well, in order for you to franchise, it's going to cost you $100,000. And my husband and I looked at each other and said, we don't have $100,000. So, you know, we're going to hold off. But we started to build the processes and put everything in place so that when we were ready and we did have the funds, that we would be you know, readily available to start. So we brought on a partner for one location, and that was our location in Southfield. And the intent was that we would be 50-50 partners and eventually convert that particular location into a franchise location. So oh, that was our yeah, first cool. one. And that's what really helped us put the procedures in place. You know, it's amazing. You don't realize all the things that you need to do in order to start a franchise. So before we could even think about um, what they call a federal disclosure document that lists everything, you know, down to the 492 pieces of equipment that you need to start a business and, you know, where to order the food from and what the recipes are and and things like that, um, we had to get all of that in place and then once we did you know by that time we were able to borrow some money because we didn't you know have enough capital to be able to do it so we borrowed some money and then we were able to um, start the franchising so i think things really started to pick up around 2013 2014 Um, and then we had a period of 10 months i believe that we opened four stores. So that's wow. Were those corporate wow. or franchise, the four stores? So those were corporate. So we and what's did. it feel like going from like one baby to four babies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we definitely had to grow the infrastructure and grow the team. And I think that's the hardest thing is that, you know, when you grow organically as a business, you, you start to, you know, approach these pitfalls along the way that you don't think about so when you're opening a business you have one business it's easy if somebody wants to take a vacation they take a vacation but when you have multiple locations you have to start thinking about you know corporate policies Mm -hmm. so oh my goodness you know what 
somebody is pregnant what's our maternity policy <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a maternity policy so we need to put one in place you know yeah. somebody gets sick what's our sick leave policy mm-hmm. a, a lot of these different kinds of things that you know we had to learn along the way and we did we made a lot of mistakes along the way of course mistakes always cost you money right. yeah. so you know we tried to learn from those mistakes and i think that's the biggest thing is that you know my husband and i told each other we're going to make mistakes. We know we're going to make mistakes. Let's just not make the same mistakes yeah. twice. Yeah. yeah. And and do you think you at least kind of failed forward? Like you had great lessons from all of those things where you're like, I wish we didn't go through this. But now knowing what we know, I'm glad we've now learned yeah. this really well. Yes. So I think it was, we often thought it was two steps forward and one step back. You know, we would... We would be in a wonderful place and think, oh, my goodness, look, at we had a great week. You know, Somerset opened and they're so busy. And then, you know, someone would crash our delivery truck. (laughs) 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 You know, so it's it's that sort of thing. Or a a cooler would go down and we'd have to replace a cooler and it's, you know, thousands of dollars. But we did. We, We made mistakes along the way. I think we learned from them. We took a lot of risks as well i think you know moving uh from birmingham to the different locations we were you know trying to find the best location all the time knowing that you know at the time beyond juice wasn't a big name other than in birmingham so we had an opportunity to move into somerset and you know we took a look at the rent and said absolutely not this would be the craziest thing we would ever do in our lives and then you know we took a step back and said I think this is actually the right move. Even if we go into this location and we don't make any money or any profit, this is going to establish our brand as a credible brand. Yeah. Because, you know, if you take a look at the demographics of people shopping in Somerset, they can afford a $6 smoothie. And they probably and frequent Birmingham location too. They, right. Yes, and yeah. they did. And, and that's what a lot of people said was, I'm so glad you opened in Somerset, you know, not only for the hundreds of employees that are there, but the people who, you know, said, I you know, can't get to Birmingham all the time or parking is a bit of a challenge. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad there's a healthy option here in Somerset. And then, you know, when we first opened, we were also right across from California Pizza Kitchen. And we thought, oh, this is probably you know wasn't a good move because we're not in the food court but i think it kind of distinguished us as well and so you know people walking in heading to the apple store you know could make a quick stop and grab a smoothie or grab a juice i think Mm -hmm. even better because you are right by the door to the entire building is the bonus like if i have to park go up to the food court to get something just to go back to my office i'm never going to do it but i can park give my car to the valet and be like three minutes buddy yeah and run in get the drink and come back i think was brilliant i mean you're right there where everyone enters mm-hmm. and exits thousands yeah. of people every day right right if i had to go upstairs to go to chick-fil-a it wasn't happening <laughs> so she doesn't go to chick-fil-a because right. in fact it's on the third yeah. floor and you're gonna wait in a really long line so that's what yeah. i'm saying so you know i think you did a really good job of choosing the location i remember when i first saw it i was like this is perfect <laughs> you know this, yeah when you're in the middle of like i have to hit this store this store and this store and it's like okay and i'm hungry and i have to go wait in these long lines go all the way up to the food court it's just like 
I don't want California Pizza Kitchen, and I want something that's on the flight path, but Beyond Juice provides a better opportunity for me to, like, not eat something I'm not supposed to. Um, And then also, like, get something that I really want. Right. Or drink something that is calorie-laden, you know, when you go out to the mall. I mean, what I hate is you get hungry, you eat something, and then you're so sluggish, you don't want to finish your shopping or whatever it is. Or even going to the Eastern Market, for me, it was always, oh, my God, what Coney, <laughs> some, what garbage are we getting ready to have now? You know, we came down here to buy all of these fresh vegetables, and and then we go over and we go and get the worst thing that we yeah. possibly could to eat because you know we're trying to have something there. So it's it's just perfect, and you know, every, even though everybody competes for those little parking spaces right there, you still have hundreds across the street yeah. where you don't have to walk that far for it. So they do. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And Eastern Market is another example where. You know, we thought, let's take a risk. Let's go into Eastern Market. You know, again, we thought, well, the the demographics might not be able to afford this type of product. But again, I I think what we're realizing is that regardless of how much money you make, you want to put healthy things into your body. So Eastern Market was a good move. Saturday is obviously the market day. Eastern Market has done a lot of great things to help market the overall area. So uh, it has definitely been a good move. And then we we ended up um, starting the juice line. So a very good friend of mine was in the corporate world and, you know, she approached us and said, I, I can't work in the corporate world anymore. I need to do something. Can I come and work for you? You know, and we thought about it and said, hey, the light bulb went off. You know what? We already do juices in the store. But let's do our own juice line. So let's start bottling our juices and we can sell them. And who knows what the possibilities might be. So I think we tested probably about a thousand recipes and did a lot of research on juice and cold press Mm -hmm. and, you know, what tastes good together and what's the pH level need to be and that sort of thing. So. Um, so this particular friend of mine, her name is Lynn, um, she developed this entire juice line for us. And then by developing the juice line, we said, well, now we're growing out of our boots. We need a location where we can actually manufacture the juice. <laughs> yeah. So that's when we opened our second location in Birmingham on uh-huh. Cole Street. And initially at the time, we said, this is going to be a location. We're going to manufacture all of our products here. Uh, we make our own hummus. We make our own salsa. We make our own dressings. You know, why not make our own juice here? Yeah. And then we opened that up and we had a little bit of space in the front. And we said, you know what, as long as we're opening this up, let's open it up to the general public. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of workout places there. So um, so that worked out really well. And now it's, it's an actual location itself. And um, it does great. And do you produce for your franchisees as well? Do they purchase from the commissary then? They do, exactly. So they... They make an order, um, they purchase from the commissary. We have a delivery truck and it delivers out to the different locations multiple times per week. Unless it gets hit. <laughs> Unless it gets hit. And <laughs> luckily we have backup vehicles now, but you know, that's been one of our challenges as we grow as well is the distribution. So, mm-hmm. you know, being able to get to the different franchise stores. And now we're talking to people about opening stores in Ohio and Ann Arbor, you know, so we need to start thinking about different types of distribution. And it's hard because we want to keep things close. We don't want to, you know, outsource manufacturing. So we want everything to be fresh and maintain that, um, that quality that we want. 
but we're trying to work it out. It's, you know, another one of those growing pains. It's a good problem to have. (laughs) (laughs) You guys stay really optimistic. I know you said you took a lot of risks, but to point out that your co-founder is your husband, so you are a a couple business, but you also have two kids and you have a house. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you balance those risks against you both have um, corporate nine to five jobs still to this day, and you're like 14 years into Beyond Juice? you're still working corporate jobs, you have a growing family, you have an aging family and running part of the Vivio's business there. How do you make that all work and still find like you have the brain power for Beyond Juice? Like what kind of things have you put in place? Is like our Monday's Vivio days and Tuesdays and Wednesdays are are Beyond Juice days. And when you travel for your corporate job, then all bets are off. Like how do you schedule it? It's Uh, definitely challenging I think so my husband definitely manages the day-to-day operations for Beyond Mm -hmm. Juice and we have an amazing team of people there you know I think that's one thing that um, you know we have grown this team and we have people who've been with us for 15 years Mm -hmm. and you know they don't want to leave because they want to see it through to the end and and I think that's great and I think that you know speaks volumes for the type of culture that we've created there so we have people who help us with you know a lot of that but for the day-to-day for Beyond Juice my husband handles it I still have my corporate job as well I do a lot of traveling and then in the evenings or on weekends or anytime I can fill in between I definitely help out a lot I still manage and oversee all the community involvement so all the partnerships with, you know, Lululemon and um, any of the other, you know, companies or exercise places out there that want to partner with us or do collaboration, and then any type of donations that we give, I still manage all of that. Uh, and then as far as Vivios, I think we also have a great team of people that we've hired to manage as well. And so it's hard. It's hard to. To juggle everything sometimes I feel as if I don't do a great job you know sometimes I feel like I am this juggler and you know mm-hmm. if I spend too much time over here then you know a ball is gonna fall in another area but I, I try to make my kids and my family my number one focus right mm-hmm. now they're young they're six and nine and I think it's really important that they understand that hey you know mom works and you know she has this job but we also have this family business and, you know, someday maybe I can work in the business. I think they, you know, don't really understand everything that's going on and why we're so busy. But I wouldn't say that we work 24-7, but I would say that we're available 24-7. And when problems occur, my husband is the first one to get the phone call. And then he decides, what do we do from here? You know, who do I call to, to help with this? Because there's, you know, as we grow... It, the problems grow exponentially as well, yes. obviously, yeah. you know. And so how many stores total do you, you started in 2005, we're ending 2019 with how many stores open now? So we have 12, so five corporate locations and seven franchises. And then next year we have plans to open uh, in the Renaissance Center um, wow. near General Motors um, at uh, Wayne State. And then a new center area, and then we have plans in Ann Arbor, and we're in discussions for Ohio. Mm -hmm. So we definitely have a lot in the works, and another location in Rochester as well. That's awesome. And so talk about the difference between running your corporate stores versus supporting franchises and how those are 
the pros and cons to both. Obviously, the corporate stores are your stores, so you make the rules. But franchise stores aren't your stores, and yet you still get to make the rules. Like how how closely or how far do you do you manage the franchises versus your corporate stores, and what actually takes more work? Well, I would say what takes more work now is a corporate store because we handle everything. You know, from the moment somebody puts the key in the door to the moment they leave and lock up, we're responsible for everything. We're responsible for the employees. We're responsible for insurance and liability and payroll taxes. And, you know, hey, you're out of this product. Why are you out of this product? You know, (laughs) I really want this smoothie with raspberries. So we handle all of that. And I think, you know, that definitely takes a lot of effort. But Right now, we've made the decision to take a step back and focus on the franchise stores because the the franchise stores need support. They haven't been doing this for 10 years the way we've been doing it. Uh-huh. So we have an amazing team of people. We have you know, trainers. We have regional managers. And they go on a regular basis and they make sure that they you know check up on the franchisees and see whether or not they need support and then there's the other side of it that you know if we want to develop a new menu item it takes an entire process just to introduce that new menu item from you know menu development to testing to you know recipe um, configuration to ordering new ingredients that might be needed and oh by the way we have these new ingredients out where are we going to put them in the store you know (laughs) (laughs) we need to have a place for them Mm -hmm. so i would say that you know the franchisees take less support we're not responsible for making sure that an employee shows up on a given day Uh, but we definitely want to make sure we support them as much as possible because it's in our best interest that they're successful right And we want to make sure that, you know, when someone walks into a franchise store that, you know, their Carlos Detox tastes exactly the same as when they walk into one of our corporate stores and they order a Carlos Detox. We want the recipe to be the same. We want the ingredient mix to be the same. And we want it to taste the same so that you as a consumer, you know, when you're paying for this smoothie, you get it the same across the board. Right. And so looking back, you started out in the family food business. So you knew running a kitchen and a restaurant intimately. And then you went into a business that's actually in supply chain logistics. Currently, it's actually right around the food industry. What things did you take out of it that you're like, yes, I know this. It's going to work. And then you're like, I thought I had the information and I totally don't know what I'm doing. Like, What helped you in your making this decision versus the things you thought were going to be great? And you're like, nope, that didn't help at all. Well, you always think you know everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, there's always people along the way that want to tell you how you should run your business. And one of the things my dad told me when I was very young, he said, whatever you do, go and get a college degree. You don't want to be in the restaurant industry. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm going to go get a college degree. And I went on to work and somehow still end up in the restaurant and food industry. So I think there's a lot of crossover. You know, it's different though, when you own your own business, you can make a lot of the decisions and you can make a lot of the rules. But the downside is that when you make mistakes, those financial mistakes come out of your own pocket. Yeah. In the corporate world, when you make mistakes, it's like, oh, I made a mistake, you know, but I don't have to pay thousands of dollars. Your boss might be upset with you, but you don't have to, you know, pay what that mistake cost you. So, so I'd say there's a lot of crossover. I would say that, 
you know, what I'm doing right now, I'm, I'm working in supply chain consulting as well. And it, it's very similar to, you know, what we're doing, how we're growing and trying to make sure that, you know, we can get the product out to the franchisees and keep it consistent. Like I said, make sure that the quality is consistent and the customer service is consistent, too. So, Lisa, I'm sorry, Pam, before you move on any further, can you just explain to our listeners what a franchise is? Because some folks may understand it and may not. Sure. So... Essentially, when you sign up as a franchisee, uh, the first step is you read through what's called a federal disclosure document. And that federal disclosure document essentially tells you everything you need to know about our business. And we disclose everything you need to know about the business. So, you know, you'll know. Um, what equipment you'll need to purchase, any type of you know support funding that you'll need to, to spend. So they pay an upfront fee to become a franchise, and then they have the opportunity to use our name to receive support from us, receive training from us, and then they pay a percentage of their sales. So you know every day when they open their door, we hope that they make enough money so that you know they put money in their pocket and they're able to you know pay this percentage fee back to us and then what they get in return is ongoing support so when we first open a franchise we have a team of people and they go out and we actually have um, training that we've put in place i think we have an amazing training team as well that um, that they work with them for an entire week and then they you know make sure that everybody knows how do you make a smoothie you know how do you make a wrap how do you how do you make uh, all the different menu items so essentially they are able to use the beyond juice name what they're not allowed to do is they're not allowed to create their own menu items yes so you know they have to follow our menu they can certainly give us ideas and suggestions and we can consider it for future menu development but, you know, they can't just open a, a franchise and say, I want this to be a Beyond Juice. But, you know what, I think I want to sell vitamins here as well because, you know, I think that they'll do really well. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we have to put a limit on it. Yeah, yeah. What so, are some of the things that you thought were going to be great and ended up being? I always love hearing, like, the failures. Like, we thought a mint mango shake was going to be fabulous. Like, what are some of the things you guys came up with? And you're like, nope, well, that actually came out did not work. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, you know what? I, I think there's been a lot of things. We, we're always willing to try different things. You know, you think a, a pumpkin smoothie, doesn't that sound great? You know, that this time of year that somebody would want to drink a pumpkin smoothie. And no, not really. They don't really <laughs> want to drink a, a pumpkin smoothie. Uh, but then there's been other things that, you know, we thought, I don't know that this is going to go really well. And it turned out to be a hit. You know, we actually... We have something in our stores that we started in on um, our Maple location. It's called Customer Creation. And I think that was one of the best things we did there as well, is that we had customers who frequented that location, and they would come in and they would order a smoothie. You know, I, I'm going to order the Caruso Caruso smoothie. And it's something that they developed, and mm-hmm. we have the recipe. So, you know, they would tell their friends, hey, when you go to Beyond Juice, you know, order this smoothie. I actually made it. And then some of those actually made it onto our actual menu because they were so popular. So it's, it's hard to know what the general public is going to really like until you put something out on the board. So we're doing, sometimes we do some testing at our Equinox location because 
we think that's a you know pretty good representation of um, customers and sometimes we just don't know there's yeah. definitely some failures that that come along with it I, 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 I one of jabs gym with <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i uh one of my favorite products and i, I love this because this is just an ingenuity thing is that you guys make your own nut milks mm-hmm. and then there's all of this leftover pulp from making the nut milks and they actually made these amazing little so basically it's yeah. leftovers and they make these incredible i go everywhere the, cookies, these, yeah. the little nests with the little uh-huh. chocolate yeah. chips yeah. in them yeah but I, I think they've become so popular that they can't actually just use the nut milk they actually have to make a nut mix to make it now oh, because wow. they've out stripped the actual stuff i mean you can tell the story we but do they're my favorite so when we were doing the juicing we were left with all this amazing pulp well nobody wanted it we threw it away you know and then you know i, I think it was um, Lynn, who said, hey, what, why are we throwing away this pulp? We can make something out of it. So we started making the the cookies and the bars, and they did. They became so popular that um, it far exceeded what <laughs> our, our pulp was. So now we end up just, you know, making our own. But it was a good way for us to um, n- not throw away things and and everyone's all very concerned about that nowadays as well is yeah. you know what the sustainability and making sure that you reuse things you recycle you know things need to be um, compostable and we're, we're really trying to um, make that an initiative as well in our company that's one of the things that you know as we listen to our employees they've said hey you know what why are you giving a bag with every single item that you sell why don't you ask people if they need a bag first and these are things that i feel the younger generation are more concerned about and uh, oh by the way you know what um, you offer salsa with your wraps but not everybody likes salsa and they're going to throw it away so you know why don't you ask people whether or not they mm-hmm. want salsa you know mm-hmm. not only is it a cost savings measure but it's good for the environment as well to yeah. not waste mm-hmm. and it creates a different level of um of like brand loyalty where I noticed that you do that like oh okay they're not giving me unnecessary things because not only is this you know beyond juice and this is a part of their values to care about the environment and just the health and well-being of the world but I see this and how I purchase things from them and right so I'm not given unnecessary napkins or silverware or, yeah. or food yeah. <laughs> we waste a lot nowadays and and I think you know if, if you think about the number of customers that come through our door if you know we can save 10,000 bags a week that's a lot of bags right. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah that don't yeah. end up in the ocean in that mm-hmm. awful like island off the pacific that's just like plastic yeah. Right? yeah yeah so you talked a little bit about you know your your childhood or adolescence and like your father telling you don't go in the restaurant business <laughs> and coming from a family of you know restaurant is your is like your your family business life and what you kind of know and breathe every day how do you end up back in the restaurant industry how does it happen <laughs> you know I, I i think i do kind of blame it on my dad even though he told me don't go in the restaurant business i think he instilled an entrepreneurship type of a of value in me so when i was very very young he had me actually standing outside of vivio's and ironically you know my dad found this orange juice squeezing machine that would make fresh orange juice and when I was 10 or 12 years old, he had me selling orange juice <laughs> to the public in the Eastern market, you know, and then there were times that we would sell 
hot dogs and kielbasa and he was always trying to teach me how to you know sell something and make some money so you know i think that I have a very big love of food as well. <laughs> so, you know, if I tie that together, I, I think that, you know, the restaurant industry is something that it's never going away, right? People always need to eat. It's just evolving so much. And I, I think it's really exciting. So, you know, we, a uh, year or so ago, you know, we started to think, how can we make our, our sales increase, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, you start to see Uber Eats and DoorDash. And and we had no idea what this was all about, you know. I mean, 10, 12 years ago, right, you would never imagine even getting in a car with a stranger to take a ride, let alone sitting at your house, placing an order for food, and 15 minutes later having it show up. From a stranger. <laughs> From a stranger. Well, pizza was the, <laughs> you know, they kind of had the, right. Right. you know, the monopoly on that, right? right. And... And as crazy as it sounds, you know, when they when all of these things came about, I was like, oh, I wouldn't have anyone bring me mashed potatoes <laughs> or whatever. But y- you thought about it like you could flip the pizza box open so easily. And it's still kind of hard for me to kind of move to that mold. Right. Because in my generation, pizza was the only thing I that know. you had delivered to your house relative to food. Yep. So it is it is very innovative and you know it's taking that pivot to say like wow we don't have to invest in the delivery because that service has already been provided for us and it gives us a way to expand our reach. I know. It's yeah. it's been great. So we still have our own delivery vehicles in Birmingham, but in the other stores when we introduced the delivery service, it increased our sales by 25%. Wow. And we were absolutely shocked, you know. And then we had to take and put some measures in place, of course, because, you know, we're concerned about safety. And so now we have bags that seal. So when they're delivered, they're sealed. And then, you know, we have a a piece of tape that you can tell if someone has tampered with your smoothie that we Mm -hmm. put across the smoothie. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I like that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we've we've done some things that um, have helped us innovate in that area as well. And it's just it's been great for us. Yeah. So I got a question. Um, You're still working. (laughs) You know, and it's always that question with entrepreneurs is like, when do you feel like the business is stable enough, you know, and self-sustaining to where you can move back in? But myself, you know, being an entrepreneur and many others, you know, especially when they're a husband and wife team it's like okay no we got to stay and somebody's got to stay in the job because of insurance or somebody's got to stay in the job until the kids get a little older because we're trying to save for college fund what you know when do you think will be your um, moment where you'll pivot and say I'm gonna walk away from the corporate you know responsibility of having that job to doing this full time or will will that day come yeah like because do you love what it is that you're doing and it helps to keep you know a balance of you know what what makes pam you know who she is right it's a great question i I actually get this question every single day (laughs) 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 like what are you doing no notes for that it's like (laughs) so you're right in the very beginning you know we we had 
some challenges and you know i would say they're financial challenges that anybody has in opening a new business Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you don't know the things that you're gonna run into that you know that cause you to spend more money than you had anticipated and and it seemed like you know very early on that was always the case I, i think that you know we thought well this business is doing great but not enough to where i can quit my job and then if i quit my job we you know we had to weigh it out and oh my goodness we'd have to buy insurance and you know that's going to cost us a, a lot of money kids, yeah. yes we have two small kids and then you know we reached a point where we were doing really well but then you know again something else comes along or we said hey you know we want to expand so if we're going to expand we need capital and we didn't have the capital so we said, well, I'll continue to work and continue to help support us while we get through this patch. And, you know, I think that taking the risk is something that not everybody can do. Not everybody can say, I'm going to quit my corporate job. I'm going to open up my own business because it sounds amazing. But you don't know what's involved in that until you actually get into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have told Nicole in the past that, you know, there have been times that, you know, my husband and I looked at each other and said, honestly i don't know how we're gonna pay people this week yeah you know i don't know how we're gonna make it to the next week and times that we were rolling quarters and you know cashing it all in and turning in my 401k and converting it so that we could pay the bills and you know from the outside it looks like this business is so successful but there were times that were very trying and we thought thank goodness you know that i i did still have my job but we have reached that point where now my husband keeps telling me, you know, you can leave your job, but yeah. I do. I love my job, and I, I, but I love being involved in in both sides of things, and it gives me a, a lot of flexibility as well to do that because I don't have to. I don't have to report to Beyond Juice nine to five every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of those things that you know. I think again, when you open up a business. Nobody gives you a guidebook and says, this is what you can expect in month three. This is what you can expect (laughs) in month six. And oh, by the way, in month nine, you know what? You're going to run out of money. And then, by the way, you know what? Your freezer is going to break. And and what are you going to do? You know, so it's one of those things that we felt like we borrowed from Peter to pay Paul many Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's why a lot of businesses don't make it because they give up and they throw in the towel and it's so easy to say, you know what, forget it. This is too stressful. I'm going back to just having a job where somebody else pays me. I don't have to make the decisions. I don't have to have, you know, my butt on the line for all of this, um, these, you know, payments and loans and things like that. But, you know, I think if you can make it past that hump, then I think, you know, that's, to me, that's a sign of a true entrepreneur because you're definitely going to go through stress. And, you know, I think that you have to stay positive. And even, you know, in the midst of adversity, like, oh, my gosh, we might not be able to pay people. We need to be positive because we're leaders and we need to show the employees that, you know what, we're doing great. We're doing great. We're doing great, guys. Just keep pushing. (laughs) Just keep pushing. Right. You know, make it over that hump. And we did. And, I, you know, I think it's something that I think about very often is that, you know, is this something that I want to do? Um, but it's just not a decision I've made yet. Yeah, and um, the other thing that I love about your story is that you talked about impact, right? You know, the impact that you were trying to make when it comes to people's health, 
and, you know, healthy food choices. And then I'm a former teacher. So, you know, the emotion just rose in me when you said, I wanted to do this in the schools, but I couldn't figure out a way to do it because you had to go through, jump through so many hoops, but you still found a way to touch children, you know, by means of Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, or what have you. Um, what are some of the other things that you have a desire to do to, you know, push this impact of understanding, you know, about the things that you do, whether it's entrepreneurship or healthy food choices and, you know, things of that nature? So in addition to that, and what you're referring to is, is the program that we created to um, bring in Girl Scout troops and we teach them a little bit about nutrition and healthy eating and how to make healthy choices. And we actually give them a sheet of paper to fill out and, and make some choices. So, you know, instead of putting strawberries in your smoothie, you know, or you can have strawberries in your smoothie, but in addition to that, why don't you try a little bit of spinach in your smoothie? So we let them make the choices and then we actually um, bring them in the back in the store and we let them make their own smoothie. Mm -hmm. So, you know what, you made these choices, you made your recipe, you're gonna make the smoothie. Now, how do you think that it's gonna taste? Well, you have to like it because you made your own smoothie, right? You can't <laughs> complain. Um, but those are the types of things that we would like to do more is reach out to communities and teach them that there are healthy options. And it's something that you can actually do at home as well. It's pretty simple to make a smoothie at home. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no rocket science to it. We we take strawberries, we take bananas, we take ice, we put it in a fancy blender and, and we make a smoothie, right? So it's something that you can do at home. And we'd like to reach that message out to people as well. And then as far as, you know, the impact, we also really want to make sure that um, we're listening to our community and our employees, and we actually just opened up an initiative where, you know, we want to hear from the employees of what do you guys want us to focus on in 2020? If it's, you mm. know, going greener or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, let's make this a company initiative because we think our employees are the ones that are out there listening to the customer. So they mm -hmm. know best what what the customer thinks and what the customer wants to see. So. We're trying to do that. We do a lot of events as well, um, just with community outreach. So, you know, going to different events and sampling and, and things like that, and then talking to people. You know, it's amazing that, that some people don't know, you know, the benefits of a green juice or the benefits of wheatgrass or, you know, something like that. So we're trying to gain as much knowledge, and we have people who um, we're reaching out to as well, like nutritionists, to make sure that you know we're incorporating as much of the benefit into it as possible and then the other thing we're trying to do is more transparency so you know if you see on our instagram and social media we're trying to let people know where our products are coming from we we yeah. recently sourced uh, sweet potatoes from a farm in Traverse City and they're organic and you know we feel that you know we're helping a local farmer although it's Traverse City we still consider it local mm -hmm. you know we're, we're helping the local farmers but we're also showing where our products are coming from so that um, that you know people don't have to question well where are you getting those blueberries from and you know, a couple of years ago, we actually um, we exceeded the number of blueberries that our supplier could actually provide to us. So we went out and we found a farm on the west side of the state, and we actually purchased their entire crop of blueberries. Oh, wow. And by doing that, they actually, this family, it was a very small family, 
they developed a process that they could bring in the blueberries, they could wash them, they could flash freeze them, and they actually, you know, had a way that they could store them for us, and they had um, saved up enough blueberries for us for an entire year. So, you know, we did that for a couple of years, but um, we're definitely exceeding, um, you know, what our suppliers can produce, so we're trying to um, find new ways to source different things, mm-hmm. but trying to keep it local as much as possible. It you know it's a bit of a challenge. And then we actually converted our um, our juice in a bottle to organic as well. And you know and that has um, produced some challenges because you know what? Oh my goodness, we have a juice with grapefruit in it. You can't get organic grapefruit in October, <laughs> right? You know, so <laughs> so these are the types of things that we're kind of learning along the way as we grow. Yeah, yeah. And food, you know, now I'm at the stage where, you know, I want food to be my medicine. And I know that that's like when you start talking about healthy options and juice cleansing and, you know, what it does to the body, as you just said, there is some resistance there from the medical industry and pharmaceutical companies right Right. but I you know I love it I am so proud of what you are doing for this community thank you it's important work thanks I have a question um what do you wish you knew before you started or oh better one what are three myths about being an entrepreneur in the food industry three myths okay well I think one of the things that you know that I that I really I wish I knew a lot of things, you know. I, I think <laughs> as you as you start a business, there are lots of people who want to give you advice. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things that I wish that I had done personally is you know, take all the advice in but know that these are just opinions. People have opinions. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean, you know, if somebody says, you know, hey, I, I, I think you need to make this type of sandwich. It's going to sell amazing. It doesn't mean that we need to go and jump on it and, you know, and think that everyone's going to love this idea. You know, I think it, it's important to take on these these opinions as opinions and then move forward um, but as far as hmm, what are the things I wish I knew, um, I wish we had saved up more money before starting mm-hmm. because I think it's important to have a lot of capital behind you because you never know what's going to happen. And then, you know, as you run into these pitfalls that you don't expect, you know, you, you're you scrambling. Like I said, you know, hey, should we cash in our 401k and, and we did <laughs> you know we, we had to do that because we didn't have any other choice but to keep the business going um, but you know in the food industry I think it's important to um, continue to evolve as well we go to a lot of trade shows and restaurant shows and and things like that and and I would say you know although I knew about them when we first started I didn't recognize the importance of them. And I think it's important to stay on top of the trends because I do a lot of traveling with my job. I often, you know, go to different restaurants and see something and it kind of sparks an idea. And then I bring it back to our um, development team and say, hey, why don't we, you know, try something like this? I mean, you know, we've tried noodle bowls and mm. different things <laughs> that, you know, we we thought would be great. But you, again, you just never know. So I, I think that, you know, I, I wish I had... Again, more capital, um, 
you know, more ideas that, that we could kind of throw into the mix. But, you know, I don't know. It's really just a learn as you go kind of a process. And yeah. it doesn't matter how smart you are, how much you go to school, whether you have a master's degree, you know, whether you've worked in the restaurant industry your whole entire life, you know, you just don't know the challenges you're going to face as an entrepreneur in the food industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it can always be something different. <laughs> awesome. All right. Last question. Five words that describe Pam, who you are as a person. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say energetic, mm-hmm. uh, giving, okay. mm. that's tough, entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. and uh, I would say, hmm, wow. You threw me a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> Can I skip that question? Sure. I, mean, I, I need, some help. I need some help from three, Nicole. No, three is good. Three is good. Three you know, good. you yeah. picked energetic, which is the one of the yeah. words I yeah. heard. Yeah, and I would have added fire. compassionate. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? I, I would have added compassionate to that as well. Um, Awesome. Yeah, Thank this you, was Pam. Great. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much for and coming. And the say you came with all the notes. You know, they yeah. were they were all in there. <laughs> <laughs> we told you this was going to be great. This yeah. was great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. And where yeah. can people find Are, Beyond Juice? Yeah. Beyond your locations, where do they find you on social? So uh, under beyondjuice.com. Uh, we actually we used to be beyondjuicedetroit.com but now we're beyondjuice.com awesome. because we think we're going to expand. We hope to expand and you know what? If you think it and you see it, then it's going to happen. That's right. You know what? Ten years ago, my husband said, we're going to have ten restaurants. And I looked at him and I said, I think you're crazy. <laughs> and you know what? We have 12. <laughs> so so I, I think if you think it, it, it can happen. But all the locations are listed there. Uh, you know, if someone's looking for any type of, you know, community involvement or donation, um, you can reach out to us on the website as well. We're more than happy to, you know, try um, any type of different collaboration and so look forward to having everyone in our stores awesome, awesome. Thank, thank, you. You. Thank, thank you thank you happy thanksgiving thanks same to you <laughs>joining us if you like what you've heard please rate review share and subscribe on apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen we should definitely hang out more and you can find us on instagram and facebook at thehumblehustle.co and on our website at www.thehumblehustle.co have questions need advice have an idea drop us a line at hello at thehumblehustle.co We are proudly recorded in the studios of Motor City Woman. All production and editing is by Robin Kinney.